Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, November 30th, 2020, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are beginning a new 14-week study, which is going to be looking at Lifeline's statement of faith and doctrine, who we are and why it's important and what we believe. We are taking these next 14 weeks to study point by point our 13-point statement of faith, and we think this is important because this, more than anything else, defines who we are as believers, but also defines who we are as a ministry. It is this statement that we ask all staff, prospective adoptive parents, foster parents, volunteers, and board members to sign and to attest to. And we live in a time and a day where doctrine or a set of fundamental beliefs is no longer seen as essential. Instead, the world and some evangelicals blur the lines and in the end look very much like the world. But at Lifeline, we want to be a ministry that knows God's word, follows God's word, and displays God's word. We want to be a people that are distinctively described as a people who mimic Christ. We want to be people whose lives are distinct and whose lives show the vulnerable and a watching world the beauty of the gospel of Christ Jesus. George Barna uh, has surveyed uh, so many in America and has specifically surveyed American evangelicals to see if they practice what they preach. And he has found that the majority of people who consider themselves evangelical don't know what the Bible says about doctrine. They don't preach what the Bible says about doctrine, and consequently, they live lives that mimic the world. The definition Barna uses for the wide group of evangelicals is a person willing to say this, that they have made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ and that he is still important in their life today. He says these evangelicals divorce at about the same rate as the nation at large. Only 9% of these evangelicals tithe. Of evangelical teenagers who take a pledge to wait uh, to have sex before marriage, 80% have sex outside of marriage before the age of 22. 26% of traditional evangelicals do not think premarital sex is wrong. Recently, Barna has further classified evangelicals into a smaller group of those who have a quote-unquote biblical worldview. This means that they say that the Bible is the moral standard and absolute moral truth exists and are conveyed through the Bible. In addition, they believe that God is the all-knowing, all-powerful creator who still rules the universe, that salvation cannot be earned by their deeds, and that the Bible is totally accurate in all that it teaches. Obviously, this group is significantly smaller than the broad evangelical group, and unsurprisingly, their lives and the choices they make look vastly different than the world. Barna found that they were nine times more likely to avoid pornography. They are four times more likely to avoid movies and TV for bad conduct. They are three times less likely to divorce. 49% do something active to help the poor or the vulnerable and they are three times less likely to have sex before marriage. So beloved, what we believe, knowing what we believe, and speaking out for what we believe has a direct correlation on how we live. And and ultimately, what we believe and knowing what we believe shows that we truly are followers of Christ Jesus. 
So it's important that we not only look at the 13 statements that make up lifeline statement of faith and that we affirm them, but it is even more important that we understand the biblical foundation that forms each of these statements. And so let's look first at John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Jesus is, is speaking to Jews, verse 31 says, Jews who had believed in him. So these were, well, these were not just a, an ordinary group of, of Jewish people, but these were Jews that had followed the teachings of Christ, that had believed in Christ. And he says to them, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you know what you have heard from your father. Truth and knowing what we believe we see from this passage will give us true freedom. Notice that these Jewish believers were missing crucial truth about the Messiah. They were so entrenched in Abraham in parsing words that they had almost missed the truth that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the one to come. And they missed that truth and therefore they were missing true freedom. Verse 37 they were seeking to kill Jesus. Why? Because his word, his truth, had found no place in them. They didn't know the scripture. They didn't know the word. They didn't know who they were. They didn't even really know what they believed. I love what John Piper says about this passage. He says, this is the power of truth. You will know this and you'll become the freest of all people because you will be set free from the bondage of loving anything more than you love God. You'll be set free from wanting anything more than you want God. You'll be set free from treasuring anything more than you treasure God. And you will be the freest of all people to do what you love, want, desire, treasure, and never regret it in a thousand years and a thousand years to come. That's true freedom. Knowing who we are and what we believe also frees us to do what we have been commissioned to do. John, uh, Matthew, sorry, records in his gospel, the Great Commission. And it says that Jesus was saying to his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so as we begin this study of looking at these 13 foundational statements of who we are as Christ followers and what we believe, I want us to see that we have been commissioned by the Lord to do two principal things. And these are our mandates that we see from the Lord and we see from his word. First, Jesus tells us to make disciples. There's a mandate to make disciples. This does not mean that we are simply to make converts who claim to believe in God and Jesus, but this means making disciples who obey what Jesus commands. This includes loving God, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This includes observing communion, 
Matthew 26, verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This includes practicing biblical community. In a, in a way of, of biblical discipleship and biblical confrontation, Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 18, the, the way of confrontation and, and the way of church discipline and, and discipline among believers. And it says, truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. And again, I say to you, if two or more agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For while two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be among them. And remember, this is not just a Bible study. This is, this is practicing biblical community where there's confrontation and church discipline. And then we are to live out the Sermon on the Mount, including discerning between true and false teaching. Matthew's gospel Chapter 7, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And Jesus, he, he invested in his disciples. He made them into disciples by teaching them. He didn't just give them a, a, an easy believism a prayer and say, just believe anything you want. Just come to me. No, he invested in teaching his disciples before the cross. And even after the resurrection, he spent much time teaching them about the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 24, verse 44, after the resurrection, it says that Jesus says to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise, raise from the dead. And that the repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Jesus invested in his disciples so that they would know the truth and the truth would set them free. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wasn't simply an evangelist who just wanted to see converts, but he was a disciple maker who ensured that those who were following Christ knew the whole counsel of God. Acts chapter 20, verse 27, Paul says, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. As Paul planted churches, he was determined that churches knew the Bible, that they knew what Jesus taught, and that they earnestly understood what it means to be a Christian. Letters like Romans and Galatians and Ephesians all contain doctrinal statements of faith. It says in Romans 15, 18, that Paul taught churches to be obedient in word and deed. In Colossians 1, 28, it said that Paul worked to see every man mature in Christ. In 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, it says he sought to raise up pastors, elders, and men and women of godly character grounded in the word of God and able to instruct others. And then Paul poured himself into a young man like Timothy, who would in turn know the word, preach the word, and then live out the word. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Knowing doctrine helps us to do the two principal things we have been commissioned by the Lord to do. The mandate to make disciples, but then secondly, the call to shepherd God's people. To shepherd or teaching requires that we know the truth. We cannot teach what we do not know. We cannot defend what we aren't sure of. We must guard our own hearts and the hearts of others by knowing the truth. In the end, we cannot care for the most vulnerable of the world, orphans, single moms, broken families, and vulnerable children without leading them to and teaching them God's word. The greatest need of the vulnerable is the gospel, is discipleship, and is shepherding. I love what 2 John verses 6-11 through says. It says, and this is love. What? That we walk according to his commandments. And this is the commandment just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and is the Antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what you have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching— Do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Whoever greets him takes part in his wickedness. Oh, beloved, the sheep need shepherds. They need protection. They need people who will ward off the wolves of false doctrine. And we must know the truth. We must guard the truth. We must love the truth. And we must shepherd the flock of God. The mission that we have is urgent to preach the gospel, to make disciples, and to protect Christ's people, those whom he purchased with his own blood. We are commissioned to make disciples, and sound doctrine is needed. And my heart and my prayer is that Lifeline would be a ministry committed to who we are in Christ. And so over the next 13 weeks, we will look distinctively, not just at these statements, these 13 statements of faith, but also the scripture that supports these statements and these foundational beliefs. And these 13 statements are, first, we believe in God, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Second, that we believe that Jesus is the one and only begotten Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and is fully God and fully man. Third, we believe in the physical resurrection of the crucified body of our Lord, in his ascension into heaven and his present life there for us as our high priest and advocate, providing a sufficiency for both body, soul, and spirit for all believers. Fourth, we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures as a representative, substitutionary, and complete sacrifice, and that all who believe in him are justified on the ground of his shed blood. Fifth, we believe that all who receive by grace through faith the Lord Jesus Christ are born of the Holy Spirit and become children of God, and there is no other way of salvation but through Jesus. Sixth, we believe in the personal, visible, and second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ at a time unknown to us, 
but for which we are eagerly anticipating. And then seventh, we believe that the redeemed will have eternal life with Christ Jesus while the lost will be separated from God in everlasting punishment. We believe, eighth, that every believer is sanctified through the work of the Holy Spirit to pursue personal holiness. Ninth, we believe that man was created in the image of God, that he sinned and incurred not only physical death, but also spiritual death, which is separation from God, and that all human beings are born with a sinful nature and become sinners in thought, word, and deed. Tenth, we believe that marriage is a sacred covenant between, before God and man, between one man and one woman, instituted by God from the beginning of creation. Eleven, we, begin, we believe that God is the creator of all life and that every person is created in his image. At the moment of conception, a new human, human life is created with a sovereignly ordained sex of either male or female. And then twelfth, we believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the word of God, written by men under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The word is inerrant, infallible, and sufficient in all matters of conduct. And then 13th, we believe that the Great Commission was given by the Lord to his church to disciple the world and that sharing the gospel is the great mission of the church. And we're excited to explore these 13 statements and the passages of scripture that go with them so that we know who we are in Christ and we ultimately know what we believe. Thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of Guatemala. We pray that the gospel will go forward brightly in the midst of such a religious, but yet not Christ-centered culture. We pray for the government to keep open-minded in more ways for the church to serve through foster care and adoption. We pray that the government sees international adoption as a part of the solution to special cases. We pray for the children in Guatemala. Many children reside in orphanages, and we pray for them as they grow up in places without a family. We pray for the caretakers in these homes. We pray that they have energy and endurance as they try to meet all the child's needs for, for, and for them to stay healthy during this virus season. We pray for partners in Guatemala like La Reforma Church, their pastors and members as they serve vulnerable and orphans uh, in Guatemala in different ways. We pray for Paola and Larry of Somos, one of the organizations of La Forma Church that serves children uh, at the orphanages by training mentors who pair with kids in a long-term relationship. We pray for ACH, uh, an orphan care ministry, as they advocate in many different ways on behalf of Guatemala's children. We pray for Acts 29 Latin America as they train churches to plant other churches in the region, and they have the intention to include orphan care as a part of this planting philosophy. We pray for the local church in general, for them to have the boldness to take the gospel to those who have no hope in the midst of the pandemic. We also pray for Village of Hope and the Blocks as they get prepared to to care for these children during this holiday season, during a virus. So we also praise the Lord for the opportunity to extend our partners and country. We praise the Lord for Love Reforma Church and the passion and commitment it has to care for the vulnerable and the orphaned. We praise the Lord for Acts 29 Latin America as they keep training healthy churches to plant other healthy churches. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to work in the country of Guatemala. We thank you for the work that is being done. And we certainly ask that the church would continue to be a bright light that the, that the church and the gospel would continue to go forth and the gospel would be heard, the gospel would be received, the gospel would be believed, and the gospel would change lives. We pray for the government to be open uh, to the church, to serve and to partner with the local church. 
pray that the the church would see adoption and foster care uh, as a local way, as a domestic alternative to helping children. But we also pray that the government would continue to see international adoption as a part of solution to special cases, kids that may not be able to find any other way of hope inside of Guatemala. Lord, we pray for our partners, for La Reforma Church, for SOMOS, for Acts 29, for ACH, and for the local church in general, and for the, 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 the leadership and staff at Village of Hope. Would you give them wisdom? Would you give them guidance? Would you give them understanding? Would you give them hope that's found in you? And would you use them in powerful ways for the spread of your gospel and your glory to the vulnerable in Guatemala? And Lord, we just praise you. We praise you for the opportunity to work in this country, to work alongside what you are doing. We pray that you would continue to use us in powerful ways for the spread of your gospel, for the extension of your kingdom, and for the growth of your church in breadth and width and depth. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. And we ask all these things in your great name, in the name of Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music